This is the James Cancer-Free World Podcast. I'm Steve Wartenberg, and today my guest is Candace Schreiber. Candace is a clinical dietitian and a food educator here at the James. There's a lot of food myths and misconceptions out there when it comes to cancer. Do soy products lead to an increased risk of breast cancer? Should cancer patients eliminate sugar from their diets? Should we all go organic, vegetarian, or vegan? It's confusing. It's complicated. So Candace will help us separate out fact from fiction and better understand the science of food and the importance of a healthy plant-based diet and how it can help reduce the risk of cancer. Welcome back to the podcast, Candace. Thank you for having me. So let's start out with soy. There's a rumor out there that soy products like tofu, soy milk, edamame can actually increase the risk of breast cancer. Is this true or false? Yeah, so this is probably my number one question I get from cancer survivors that they need to avoid soy products. Um, And over and over again, we tell them that soy is safe to eat and whole soy um, foods such as tofu, edamame, soy milk, things like that. Um, These foods are good for us. They're a good source of plant-based protein and they do not increase risk for breast cancer. They don't increase risk of reoccurrence for those who have been diagnosed with breast cancer um, and that patients can feel confident and safe eating those whole soy foods. The only thing we really tell them to stay away from is any kind of soy supplements. That would be the only type of soy that we would say to avoid. As So where did this myth come from? Why do so many people think that if they're cancer survivors, they shouldn't eat soy? So a while ago, there were some animal studies that showed phytoestrogens, which are compounds found in soy products. Um, They thought that these could mimic estrogen in our bodies and increase the risk of breast cancer. But larger, more consistent studies have shown that those animal studies don't translate into humans. And so we have plenty of evidence to show that, again, soy does not increase our cancer risk or increased risk of reoccurrence in breast cancer patients. Boy, that's interesting how once something gets out there in the world, that original study that that hinted that perhaps this mm-hmm. could be that was later overturned by many more studies, it's so hard to get those that those facts back. It is. It is. And and many patients are still fearful of it. And if if you are, or if it causes you anxiety, then you know what? You don't have to eat it. And we still have doctors that tell patients they should avoid soy when they have a breast cancer diagnosis. So a lot of times we have to combat things that they were told. Even doctors don't know. Yeah, They're going back to that original mm -hmm. animal study that was later proven wrong. Many are still telling patients to avoid soy, yeah, unfortunately. So it's a lot of correcting, and sometimes patients get fearful, which is understandable. Is there a recommended amount of soy or amount you should not go over, or like how much? We typically say about three servings a day is fine, but nobody. It's very rare that... Anybody gets that amount of soy in their diet. So that would be, you know, a half a, or one cup of soy milk, um, a soy yogurt, three eight to four ounces of tofu, half a cup of edamame. That's about a serving. And most people don't get anywhere near that okay. daily, if not weekly. So by all means, 
everyone out there, you can have soy products. Yes, yes. And any tips, any hints for how to, to add soy to, to your diet? Yes. Yeah, so edamame and tofu are probably my favorite soy products that I use. Um, for edamame, you know, you can add that in any kind of stir fry or even just put it on the side um, as your plant-based protein. As far as tofu, if you get a block of extra from tofu, make sure you wrap it in some paper towels, push out the moisture, and then I usually just chop it up into cubes, a little olive oil, salt, pepper, and roast it, and then add that to stir fries. That That's a great tip, the um, putting uh, paper towels around it, because it's yeah. it comes packaged in water right. to keep it, I guess, fresh and moist, and, and but you've got to get all that water out or it'll just... Right. Uh, it'll It'll... If you don't get the water out, it, it tends to be a little bit soft and crumble on you a little bit more, which is great if you're putting it, you know, in a smoothie where it can just be ground up and soft. You don't have to press out the moisture. Oh, you, you mentioned that to me earlier yes. to put it in smoothie that <laughs> I tried it and it was great. It is. It makes them nice and creamy and you honestly don't even taste it. I do it for my kids all the time and it adds some good protein and it you don't even know it's there. Okay. So there we go. One myth debunked. <laughs> Let's move on to the next one. And sugar. Yes. There's a lot of talk, a lot of misconceptions about sugar. I, to sum it up, what, I, what I've heard and what I think a lot of people think is that cancer patients should uh, uh, virtually eliminate sugar from their diet because sugar feeds the growth of cancer cells. So... Uh, fact or fiction? Yes. Yeah, so this is probably my second most okay. common well, question. I asked them in the right order, <laughs> didn't did. I? Um, is that people always say, you know, sugar feeds cancer. I shouldn't eat any sugar. Um, well, it it's kind of confusing when people say that because, you know, a lot of things get turned to sugar in our bodies. It's not just, you know, table sugar or highly processed foods that many people think of as sugar. You know, vegetables get turned to sugar in our bodies and whole grains. Um, but the kind of the issue there is where the sugar's coming from and how much. Um, obviously, vegetables are wonderful for our bodies, and we should definitely include those as well as whole grain carbohydrates and fruits and dairy. Those are all things that are good for us. It's more those highly, highly processed foods that have a lot of added sugar and how much of those we're having. If we're consistently having those on a regular basis and making those a predominantly base of our diets – then that's not so good for our bodies. But every cell in our body uses sugar, not just cancer cells. We need it. We need it for energy. Um, the problem stems from you know, those highly processed foods, too much sugar, which can lead to weight gain, which then in turn increases our risk for cancer. So it's kind of an indirect effect. Okay. That makes so sense. that makes sense. So it's right. not sugar itself that's the problem. If you get your sugar from uh, fruits, vegetables, whole right. grains, uh Yogurt mm -hmm. with low sugar. Look for yeah, yogurt with low yeah. sugar. That's fine. Right. It's avoiding. You don't want to dump four tablespoons of sugar <laughs> in your coffee or tea. Right. You don't want to buy uh, soda. You don't want right. soda because that leads to a, uh, weight gain, an unhealthy lifestyle, mm -hmm. and inflammation. Right. Right. Which and causes can yeah. can lead to cancer. Not, yeah. Okay. And it can you know create this insulin hormone response, and insulin is a hormone and. Um, create kind of this up and down effect on our insulin if we're having too much sugar most people get way more sugar than they need right and that's the real issue it and i've been noticing that lately it is really hard 
to limit your sugar because mm-hmm. in, in in cereal, in yogurt, right. in, in um, energy bars. Mm-hmm. So you got to be in, really look. Yeah, yeah, it's in everything, really. You and, have to be really diligent about paying attention to it. Okay, so myth number two is sugar and, and it's okay in moderation and get it from real food and not right. processed uh, additives. Right. Okay, let's move on to our third one and let's see if this is your, your third most <laughs> asked question. Um, organic mm-hmm. versus regular fruit and vegetables. Organic can, is healthier for you and can reduce your cancer risk because it doesn't have the chemicals on it mm-hmm. used in, in while they're growing. Right, right. Yes, this is a very common question up there with both of the first two myths as well. A lot of cancer patients think that they need to switch to organic to decrease risk of recurrence and just be healthier. And this is another thing, you know, the evidence shows eating conventional fruits and vegetables doesn't increase risk for cancer or increase risk of recurrence. Um, The most important thing is that people eat fruits and vegetables, whether they're conventional or organic. People go organic for lots of reasons, and if that's something that you feel passionate about, then that's fine, but just because you have a cancer diagnosis does not mean you have to automatically switch to organic produce. It's much more expensive, a lot harder to find sometimes, and people just don't have that in their budget, and it's so much more important just to eat the fresh fruits and vegetables than worry about conventional or organic the the cost is a good point you make and that if if people on a limited budget feel that they only can eat organic fruits and vegetables they won't buy as many they won't eat as much fruit and vegetables right and that's the exact opposite of what we want people to do most of us are nowhere near the recommendation of our fruits and vegetable intake what the usda recommends we get and i think people need to focus more on just increasing those foods in the diet than whether they're organic or conventional so when you buy regular fruit and vegetables mm-hmm. at the supermarket, non-organic, yes. how important is it to wash them? Does How does that impact getting rid of any potential harmful uh, chemicals? I would say it's very important. Um, it's not going to take off or get rid of all the pesticide residues. It can get rid of some, um, but it is important to do that. And then any kind of bacteria that might be lingering on them, yes, always, always wash everything, even melons and winter squash and Wash everything that you get from the grocery store, definitely. That's a great point. And I learned this from you about why it's important to wash like a melon Mm -hmm. because the knife goes through the outside into the inside. So that's why you've got to wash it. Yes. So if you didn't wash it, you'd be dragging that bacteria through. Exactly. Great point. Yes. Yes. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Candace to talk about some more food and cancer related myths and misconceptions. A revolution in lung cancer treatment is happening at the James. We're proving lung cancer isn't solely defined by location and stage, but rather the individual molecules and genes that drive it. Simply put, there is no routine lung cancer. That's why our world-renowned specialists put their expertise towards treating one particular lung cancer, yours. At the James, we go beyond the routine to prevent, detect, treat, and cure your lung cancer. To learn more, call 1-800-293-5066. We're back with Candace Schreiber, a clinical dietitian and food educator here at the James, talking about the connection between cancer and food and some of the myths and misconceptions that are out there. 
And this isn't necessarily a myth, but this is important information for cancer patients. Uh, Should they be on special diets that either include more of certain foods or less of other foods? What are their special requirements, if any? Yeah, so that's going to be really dependent on the type of cancer that they have, the treatment that they're going through, and then what side effects that they're getting from that treatment. So it's going to be, you know, pretty individualized. And that's why we have dietitians all over the James to see patients and give them, you know, tips based on those factors. I mean, there's lots of common side effects as people go through treatment and a cancer diagnosis, you know, such as nausea. A lot of times we'll tell people, you know, more bland foods and things that aren't too spicy, room temperature, cold, um, poor appetite, um, weight loss is pretty common. For that, you know, we really just encourage calories any way that they can get them. Smoothies are a big thing that we like to recommend because it's a good way to pack in a lot of calories for, for patients that need them. I, I just want to go back to something you said, nausea. Mm-hmm. A lot yeah. of cancer patients who are going undergoing chemo, and, and I've just been talking to people who have had um, bone marrow mm-hmm. or, or blood marrow transplants. That's another big issue where they just can't eat. Right. And, and nothing. Nothing tastes mm-hmm. good. So you started to mention that with smoothies and other things. So what do you yeah. do for cancer patients who are either in the hospital or at home mm-hmm. who just... Uh, can't stomach food but need the calories right. they need something in them to, to, to some energy right and it's and sometimes it's not even about the food a lot of times we have to explain to them to think of food as part of their treatment process like just like medication you know you get that at a scheduled time that they need to set a timer and that's when they eat and they need to make sure they're doing this five to six times a day to make sure that they get enough nutrients. There's lots of different foods that we recommend um, based on their individual preferences, but trying lots of things. If something sounds good, eat it. It doesn't matter what it is. So in in some ways, is this one of the few times where you can (laughs) throw out the plant-based healthy fruit and vegetable whole grain diet and eat whatever you can get down that has some sort of calories and any nutrition in it. Right, because that's better than avoiding food altogether. But don't make it a lifelong <laughs> Right. Okay. Yeah. So what are some of the some more of those foods that you've noticed that that people with nausea and other issues tend to be able to to eat? Yeah, soups are a big one. Like I said, the smoothies are good. Um anything that's, you know, more basic and bland that doesn't have a strong flavor or aroma. Um fruit tends to be okay sometimes. Um it's really mashed potatoes. Oh, mac- carby, that, that would make sense. Foods, yeah, mashed potatoes, pasta, would, yeah, like plain, plain noodles, things like that. How about people that have um, like some head and neck cancer patients? I've, I've I've met and talked to have like issues producing saliva and just uh, have had surgery in that mm-hmm. area. What what can you do to help them? Yeah, so moist things that you know aren't dry or brittly or. Um, anything that kind of coats the throat as as you go down. Sometimes, once again, I'm going to say smoothies. I mean, sometimes that's all people can do. There's nutritional supplement products that we recommend. Oftentimes they need tube feedings and um, just different ways that we work to get those calorie and protein needs in. Smoothies are are like a a great all-around thing because you can put so many (laughs) 
healthy and nutritious things mm-hmm. in them. And, and if they're, you know, perhaps if someone, the cold can make it, the coldness of the drink can make it go down easier and the texture might be easier. So that's right. Yeah. And they're easy to pack with calories. You know, you yeah. I even some, will tell people sometimes to add, you know, a tablespoon of oil, which adds about 120 calories. It's just easy way to kind of pack them in. And sometimes it's easier to drink than eat. But if there, if someone who is a cancer patient mm-hmm. is not having those issues, mm-hmm. then would that mean that their diet should just be a regular healthy plant-based diet. Right, yes. So we encourage plant-based diet, which is an emphasis on fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, nuts, seeds, things like that. It's just for people who are having side effects that make eating an issue. Then sort of you've got to bend the rules and come up with interesting and clever options for Mm -hmm. them to get nutrition. Yeah. Okay. Ice cream, does that work? (laughs) For some patients. (laughs) Okay, there we go. All right. Um, okay, let's and uh, let's go on to our next one, and that is: Should cancer survivors uh, become vegetarians or vegans? Should they give up meat? Yeah, so not necessarily. Meat can. I know we have stressed plant based eating, but when we say plant based, that's really just plant forward or plant emphasized. It's not necessarily vegetarian or vegan. Meat products and animal products can certainly fit into a plant based style eating. They should just be in to kind of take a back seat to the plant food. So you should fill most of your plate, about two thirds, with plant foods. And then that one third portion can be animal products, the leaner, the better. So what would be the, when you say the leaner, the better, what would be the hierarchy of sort of the, the <laughs> better meats to, to eat? And, and, and where does fit, do you include fish yes. as meat? Yes. So fish, the American Heart Association recommends fish about twice a week for heart health. And so fish can definitely have a place, you know, your lean poultry, chicken, turkey can fit. Even red meat can have its place in small amounts. You know, the, anything with the word loin in it tends to be a little bit leaner anything Any, with the word loin in it yeah oh I like didn't sirloin know that. Sir, tenderloin oh i never top I, loin has less fat it's a little right leaner. it's a little bit leaner I um, never knew and that. if you do ground beef at least 90 percent lean is there a recommended amount of meat that you should stay within so with all meat it should be about a fourth of the plate is really the recommendation about three ounces three to three to four ounces at your meal. And then for red meat, it's no more than 12 to 18 ounces per week. Per week. Okay. Right. Because any more than that, the evidence shows it increased risk for colorectal cancer. And I've also heard that certain processed meats, bacon, sausage, mm-hmm. th- things that um, deli meats that have nitrates in them um, are sort of would be lower on that hierarchy of things that you should eat. And what, what, why is that? What are nitrates and what do they do? Right. So any processed meat, as the ones you just described, really should be in very limited quantities. There's actually no amount recommended. It's just, you know, as little as possible because these even little amounts can increase our risk for cancer. So the evidence isn't completely clear what it is if it's the the salt, the nitrates, um, the meat in general. It's not completely clear what it is. Nitrates do um, can produce carcinogens in our body. And so those definitely should be avoided. But now they're coming out with all these products that are nitrate free or no nitrates added. But we do still tell people to treat those the same and limited them because we just don't know. It's not clear why these foods increase our risk. And so we still need to limit them. I'm 
a little confused about this no nitrates added labels that you're seeing. That doesn't mean there's no nitrates in the food. It just means they don't add to they it. They don't right? add chemical nitrates. Chem- okay, so, so they're naturally occurring. Correct, okay. correct. There's been a lot of attention to all these sort of, I don't know if fat is the right word, but special diets, the caveman diet, the alkaline diet um, that make these claims. What is your thoughts on on these special diets? So there's really not any evidence that these diets prevent risk of cancer or recurrence. And so the evidence shows just a plant-based diet. I think sometimes we tend to complicate things and people often think that Nutrition is constantly changing, but it's really not. You know, fruits have always been good for us. Vegetables have always been good for us. And these are the things that we really need to build our diets with. And everything can have a place. Sometimes I'll tell people, you know, if you see a diet that eliminates whole food groups, unless you have a allergy or or sensitivity to them, that's kind of a red flag. We don't need to eliminate entire food groups because then we eliminate nutrients with those foods. So, you know, a very plant-forward style eating pattern, but, you know, there's room for everything in some amounts. That's a great point about totally eliminating a certain type of food from Mm -hmm. your diet, like carbohydrates. Everything, I mean, you need carbohydrates, that's fuel, but I think what you're saying is you don't get them from potato chips, (laughs) you get them from sweet potatoes, whole grains, and and healthy foods, have all the carbohydrates you need. Yes, your body wants carbohydrates, that's what your body wants to use for energy, and so you need to provide those (laughs) energy nutrients and just do it in a healthier way, yes. And one of the things that, that I keep thinking about as you're talking, you keep mentioning research and studies, and, and I've, I've gotten to know you a little bit about the past year, to, year or two, and you're all about research. You always cite research. You're up to date on research. So explain a little of how the type of scientists and doctors, where this research comes from and how they do it to determine all these things that you've just told us. So a lot of we kind of look to the American Institute for Cancer Research for a lot of our recommendations. You know, they're um, an institute that does the research on diet and cancer, and they provide us with guidelines for cancer survivorship. They know they have 10 guidelines for cancer survivors to follow. And these we really promote these and, and talk about these in a lot of our classes and, and to participants and patients. Um, but they are the ones that do all these, um, look through all the evidence, all the studies that have been going on. It's way too hard to keep up to date with everything going on. So they really look at the evidence and provide tips and um, just different ideas and recipes and all kinds of things for the public um, that we like to educate people on. And you've directed me toward them in many mm-hmm. cases, and it's the 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 acronym is AICR. So if anyone wants right. to look them up, and you can ask, you can find anything. All the topics we've talked about, you can look up specific foods and see the different phytochemicals they have and what how they help your body. So that, and all the different studies and all the recommendations. Right, right. So, and they look at all the evidence and. There's lots of research that goes into, say, one recommendation. You know, it's not just one study that came out that showed something. It has to be backed by lots of research for them to provide a guideline or recommendation. 
Science is real. Research <laughs> matters. It so, does. More and more. So thank you for filling us in on all these great tips and all this advice and, and information about some myths and misconceptions that can help people figure out what to eat, especially cancer survivors mm-hmm. and, and cancer patients. Just to sum up, we've we've talked about this a lot, and we always talk about a healthy plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of describe that for people, because a lot of people struggle with knowing how to do that and how to eat healthy on a regular basis, because it's so much easier to go to a fast food place mm-hmm. and get prepared foods and pop stuff in the microwave. <laughs> yes. So as I mentioned before, it's really just filling your plate with plant foods. If you kind of look at your lunch or dinner plate, try and divide that you know, into quarters and make half of it vegetables, a little quarter of it whole grains, a little quarter of it some type of lean protein or animal products, getting lots of vegetables, trying to, you know, get every color of the rainbow every day if you can in different fruits and vegetables, consuming whole grains in the form of whole grain pasta, brown rice, potatoes, quinoa, things like that. Um, We already talked about the lean protein, fruits, but try and getting a fruit and vegetable with every meal and snack if you can. Yeah, snacks are a killer. If yes. you can eat fruit and vegetables for snacks, you're like yes. way ahead of the curve. Even if you just replace one snack a week, you know, with an apple with peanut butter or raw veggies and hummus or something like that. Okay. Well, thank you for all your great tips and advice. And thanks for turning me on to tofu <laughs> in my smoothies and grain bowls. We yes, talked about it on yes. your last podcast. I very much like grain bowls. Mm-hmm. So thanks for that tip, too. Yes. This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center, Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital, and Richard J. Soloff Research Institute. For more information, check out our website, cancer.osu.edu.